0: This is an Audio Wool Original.
1: This episode of Fright Day is brought to you by Springheel Jack Coffee. You need great coffee. Jack delivers. Visit springheeljack.coffee. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com
0: slash Day.
1: It is Fright Day. My name's exactly Byron. what I just sounded like. No, it isn't. It's the exact same. No, it's not. Bye-bye, bye, bats. So long skellingtons lounging on front lawns and sheet ghosts dangling from freshly bare trees, while the distant sounds of men moaning, dragging dungeon chains across cold stone floors, is getting harder to hear. I can't think of a better way to lurch into this bleak post-Halloween season than reading Recollections of Your Eerie Encounters. You know it's what, True uh, Tales of Terror, Volume 16. What?
0: You know what she told me, my second mother, after okay. listening to the whole JFK series and the whole Marilyn series? That I'm incredible. She goes, you know, I really like how you handle that Byron.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> how, how hold tight. How, how you handle me. <laughs> That's Great.
0: what she said. All right. Well. She also thought you were very funny. She liked a lot of your jokes.
1: How are you handling the post-Halloween season, Kelly? You doing Okay we got a wine kelly you could hear that swallow in the mic it's It's christmas
0: so i I don't know that it's post halloween it's just christmas
1: No, it's the bleak season it's the dark days and it's gonna be uh it's gonna be okay folks not the dark we got
0: some true tales today savings is this weekend it's not gonna be that dark
1: uh it's gonna get dark earlier though kelly that's how that works it's daily savings time kelly falling back kelly Mm -hmm. what are we looking forward to tonight what do we got? Well,
0: I've got a series of stories from one of our listeners. A
1: series of stories from one of our listeners.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important to read them together because they connect a little bit. What kind of stories, though? Are we talking paranormal?
1: Or are we talking? Yes, we're talking paranormal. All right.
0: A really scary story that one of my students sent me.
1: Is it about how bad of a teacher you are?
0: It's not. I actually got a really nice text from one of my students. That's this great.
1: Week. Okay. What, what? Please don't cry. Two weeks in a row. I've got crying. a UFO story Ooh, okay. from a long
0: time listener. I do
1: like those. those are and some then I'm favorites. apparently
0: going to have to listen to something that's going to disturb me and make me regret letting you in the house tonight. I mean,
1: that's up to you. I don't really know if you're going to be freaked out. I think the out. girls
0: overheard me talking about like how you were probably carrying some kind of possessed well, demon with you now. Don't say that to
1: your kids. I, I mean, w- I didn't
0: say it to them. I think they just overheard. <sighs> I did a second
1: interview with a guy from it's over three years ago at this point. Oh. Wayne Nathan Nance, the Missoula Mahler. I spent my Halloween night with him and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about Ooh. that and listen to a conversation I had
0: that's last right yeah yeah
1: where are we starting it's though
0: bad we're gonna start with our series from one of our listeners Canadians so you know you can trust him
1: oh I like this guy I think I do too some of our favorite true tales that came from uh, the great white north
0: it is true it's very true um, lightning maybe chains still are we still doing chains I still don't understand why chains are scary.
1: I agree. That's why I like it so
0: much. I did watch that movie, The uh, Legend of Hell House.
1: Oh, it was good. It was as good as Happy to hear it. Lightning, chains. Chains. Title of the
0: story? Night Gallery. When I was nineteen, I found myself as the assistant curator of a local art gallery. I mean, I was kind of that when I was nineteen. You worked in a mall.
1: Yeah, but (laughs) it was like an art gallery. Sold
0: art prints in a mall. Yeah. I did. It's different. It was next to the Mexican restaurant.
1: Yeah, it was. You
0: remember that day that I told you about where I played Enya for my 14-hour shift?
1: The whole time?
0: Yep. One song.
1: Is this a true tale?
0: Sail Away. Over and over and over and over and over again, waiting to see if I could get sick of it. I never got sick of it. Still love that fucking song. All right. I found myself... As the assistant curator at a local art gallery, much like Captain Kelly was in her teen years. Yeah, it was an easy choice. A friend of mine's sister was the marketing manager, and she offered me the position knowing that I was heading into my first year of university as a fine arts major. Boy, did this experience ever change my mind. I was never going to be fine arts major. I gratefully accepted, as I was living with my girlfriend at the time, and we had moved into our first two-bedroom apartment, $400 a month.
1: Well, I mean, what gear was that?
0: Uh, and since I was the only one working, I couldn't turn down $16 an hour. $16 an hour back then? Holy shit. Wow.
1: That's an incredible amount of money. That was money.
0: good. Those Canadians always so much more generous. Well, yeah, you
1: have to, Canadian dollars.
0: Yeah, but back then, Canadian dollars were worth more. There, now it's it's flipped. Were they more? Yeah. to not they? Used, didn't they, they? Worth,
1: no, it was always like no, 90 cents to, to be, the dollar.
0: No, I think it used to be more. We're going to look, you do research All on that. Right, I don't think Compared that's... to working at Zeller's, not that I would expect any of you to know that particular chain of stores, this was a dream job. My first day was hectic, though. I seemed to get along well enough with the team. Bill was an eccentric curator from Toronto. He had big plans for the art gallery, but didn't quite bank on the resistance he would get from the board of directors at this little uh, gallery. Sorry, Bill. Ugh. Amanda was the marketing manager, and she and I got along well enough from a previous job we'd worked together at a charity foundation so at the age of 19, he had already worked at a foundation, and he was an assistant hey, did curator? Did you say who this
1: is from? We Taylor. Taylor.
0: Taylor, ambitious guy. Jesus Christ. She and I got along... Wait, bleh, bleh, Sherry, as far as I could tell, complained a lot.
1: I'm leaving that one in. That was a fun flub.
0: I don't exactly know what she did, but it seemed to largely revolve around getting on everyone else's nerves.
1: I bet she got paid more for that.
0: Probably. It was immediately obvious to me that no one got along with her, but as she was the bookkeeper... And the longest employee standing, no one seemed to want to get in her way. That was probably me at most of my jobs. Now, to give you an idea of what the art gallery was like, it was situated in a heritage home in the heart of the city. It was next built... to
1: a Mexican restaurant. Shh. Wait, what?
0: It was built in the late 1800s and was owned by the richest family in the city at the time, the Bells. Oh. It is an absolutely sprawling estate with a massive home situated right on the main lake in the middle of the city. The Bells were extremely involved in charity and community projects and were well-known as philanthropists. The following is from a news article in one of our local newspapers. William died in 1945 when he was 87 years old. Catherine stayed on in their enormous home until her death in 1954. The Bells had no descendants and had bequeathed their enormous house to the local hospital.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just letting you, like, unspool the rope you're using to hang yourself with this accent.
0: Beautiful old place served as a nurse's residence this is for Canada a number
1: <laughs> It's Canada
0: <laughs> for, for a number of years, eh? Before being gutted by a did, fire. Did you just say A? <laughs> From then until 1966. Please, actually, stop.
1: I really want it to end, because I'm sure it's a lot.
0: As the Bells called their palatial estate, stood empty, its interior in ruins, and its doors and windows covered with sheets of plywood. You really
1: did miss Wine Kelly, kind of. What
0: was to happen to the once gorgeous old place? Does it hurt your throat? (laughs) Stop doing it. With the exception of one. one Stop it, please! (laughs) With the exception of one small room, the conservatory, the fire. Kelly, I'm
1: actually begging you to stop. I know, (laughs) but but the problem is, I don't know what happened in the story (laughs) that you just told because of the distracting accent. No one knows what you said. They do? No.
0: The fire had burned away any historical significance in the building's interior. Fortunately, arrangements were made, and the house soon became the home of Sudbury's art gallery. And that's all that matters in the story, so it's fine. So, the house okay. burned, and now it's the art gallery.
1: Okay, and it's owned by who? That
0: almost broke me. Yeah,
1: no shit, you weren't breathing. It's,
0: I don't know who owns it, but it's called Sudbury's. Sudbury's, and
1: I assume that the Sudbury family purchased it. I
0: don't know that it's a family. It could be, you know, like, uh... I don't know. Holy shit. Sudbury sounds like a Canadian Sotheby, so I don't really know. Great.
1: Killer 1940s article, Canadian accent, this, by the way. Really, This really article
0: good. is of particular importance, and I will talk about that later, but it gives a great tidbit of history of the property. Oh. Hopefully you remember it. With that out of the way, my first day was to help the curator set up a new exhibit at the gallery. It was an interesting exhibit where local artists had made marionettes. Fuck that. Oh, I hate marionettes. Wait, but the, you're
1: like a puppet person. You know me. I hate pretty much all no, of that stuff. The,
0: I, I, the only thing I like marionettes, Dummies, marionettes in is, uh, puppets. being John Malkovich. Other than that, fuck that.
1: I'll take none of it.
0: We were hanging them over large plinths for display. Upon examination, these marionettes were creepy as fuck. Like no I said, shit. one that I remember in particular was some sort of weird distorted amphibian marionette that somehow reminded me of a deep one from a shadow over Innsmouth. That's a uh, Lovecraft reference.
1: Oh, okay. In in... Smith.
0: Mm-hmm. There were others, too. Clowns, monsters, angels, demons, and princesses, all hanging and staring at me with those cold, dead eyes. Even the curator seemed uncomfortable with the exhibit, making a few comments here and there. In the afternoon, I was asked if I knew how to make frames and cut framing mats, as I did, so he knew how to do that at 19, too? Well, yeah.
1: I mean, he got hired for some reason.
0: Well, curators don't normally frame, do they? I guess that's true. As I did, I was asked to cut a few mats in the matting room in the attic. After lunch, I went up there and was given the dimensions and I set to work. I was getting into my groove and cutting away when I heard a voice speak from the staircase. Uh Uh-oh. I who's that. No, like literally, that's how he typed it. L- look at look at the document. I, I'm not actually. It's A Y E O O S T H A. I oos that. What, 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 oh, I oos that. There you go. Okay, you can do it. Uh, thinking someone was fucking with me, I replied, "Who the hell do you think it is?" Right. I smart. Ass. Just don't make it hurt when you talk. I don't know how else to do it. <laughs> Open the. Etic like that, making a rocket It's like no Just air Be sure to body. clean up your mess when you're done. I don't want to clean it again. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what accident is supposed to be. It's written with all of these homophoneic words, and I don't know how to Just do it. Just read it like a normal. No, human. but like literally,
1: <laughs> like a normal person would.
0: I ye smart arse.
1: I ye like. smart arse. <laughs> Fuck you. It's too hard. No, you're you're pushing too hard. No, you... you Your body... I laughed
0: a, and continued.
1: In agony. Oh,
0: it was supposed to be a Scottish accent.
1: All right, so it says it after that. All right.
0: I laughed and continued. It was a pretty good Scottish accent. My uncle was Scottish, and once you know a real Scot, you quickly learn to spot a real accent from a fake accent.
1: All right, well, <clears throat> yeah... You know, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, Mike, Mike Myers' dad in uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer, another Canadian. Just visualize that. I
0: forgot that he did a Scottish accent before, well, I mean, fat bastard.
1: All oh, right.
0: I'm just going to head out. All right. <laughs> this one sounded very real. And I was convinced that there was a real Scotsman working at the manor that I had yet to meet. Maybe a maintenance person or a janitor. I don't know like, that that's a good stereotype rule. that you assumed because Willie. The janitor from the, Simpsons. from the Simpsons is Scottish that any Scotsman working at this art gallery has to be either a maintenance person or a janitor. Taylor, I could hear him muttering at the bottom of the stairs and eventually he wandered away. When I was done, I brought the mats downstairs and presented them to Bill and Amanda for inspection. They were pretty pleased with the results. And when I asked, who is the Scottish guy that works here? Is he a janitor or groundskeeper? He was warning me about making a mess. Bill looked to Amanda and I knew something was up. Amanda then asked me, did you see him? I paused. I hadn't. He had been talking to me from the staircase, which was hidden by a low wall. No, I was madding. He was talking to me from the staircase. Bill smirked, and part of me thinks he thought I was fucking with him. William Bell was Scottish. He was known for having a thick Scottish accent. At the time, I had no idea who William Bell was. Then it occurred to me that we were working the Bell Mansion. You mean the old owner of this place? Bill nodded, Yeah. That's when I found out the Bell Mansion was supposedly haunted. Part two. That was the only interaction I had with something unexplained in that place, though it wasn't the last of the weirdness or stories I would hear from other employees. One thing I did notice was everyone who worked at the art gallery would almost fight one another not to be the last one there. It seemed that no one wanted to be the one to go through the closing procedure alone in that place. For those of you who aren't familiar with the process, it is of utmost importance that humidity and temperatures remain consistent in a gallery. Otherwise, you run the risk of ruining pieces of art. Of course, I knew that. Is
1: that how that worked in the the Mm -hmm. mall? 100%.
0: Yep. To determine this, one must go around the art gallery with an electronic humidity and temperature gauge much like an EVP meter, and record the temperature in various areas of the gallery looking for anomalies. See? Looking for anomalies. Mm -hmm. It was an unnerving process, especially knowing what I now knew. As much as I told myself I was scaring myself, I couldn't help but jump at every creak and groan in that horrible place. I always... Left the marionette exhibit for last. See, I would have done it first. Done it
1: first, just like eating my vegetables at dinner. Gotta get it over with.
0: Vegetables are good, Byron.
1: No, they're worse than the other stuff. I couldn't
0: help but feel dozens of dead eyes on me as I entered the exhibit, took the temperature at the center of the room, and then backed out slowly, never turning my back on them. I know that's silly, but I felt that the moment I did that, it would all go to hell. I'll never know. I always backed out of the exhibit and turned the lights off, gazing into the darkness with tiny glints of light reflecting back at me. I would always set the alarm and lock up as fast as I could after that. I didn't want to be in that building a second longer with those things. What a baby. Part three. The scariest experience was to happen closer to the end of my tenure at the art gallery. It was a stormy Saturday. The sky was so dark. Streetlights guided my way to the gallery, and lightning was arcing through the clouds.
1: Thunder sound. Thunder sound. Chains?
0: No chains! I lived only a five-minute walk from the gallery, and my outer clothes were drenched. I unlocked the massive oak door and turned on the lights in the lobby. They flickered on, and I disarmed the alarm system. I went behind the desk and hung my wet coat off the back of the chair and flicked on the monitor to see the cameras that would slowly cycle through the building. First floor, all clear, which was easy enough to see, and I manually flicked on the lights to that area. It was some sort of artifact exhibit with a glass display case and ancient treasures. Second floor, marionette exhibit, a figure... A woman walked from one end of the room to the other, out of frame. I froze. Hmm. Third floor, the attic, all clear. Clicked the camera back to the second floor. I had imagined it. I knew I had imagined it. Then I saw marionette swinging as if there was a breeze. Fuck this. I grabbed the aluminum baseball bat that we kept under the counter.
1: Wait, why?
0: I, I mean, that's Canadian security. They don't want to actually guess, kill anybody.
1: Well, yeah, If you want to chase out some, an nice. art thief with a bat?
0: I was about to go upstairs, and then I realized that I was alone. Thunder crashed. The lights flickered. No chance. Come on, now. I picked up the phone and called security. As we were technically owned by the university, I had to call the switchboard. It was a call center. I left a message and hung up. Being in a time without cell phones, I knew that the message would likely appear... Okay, there were just...
1: Mm. Uh-oh that water or wine water i don't know
0: how to describe this okay okay i work in google docs like probably i don't know 127 hours a week yeah two weird little like uh almost like static but boxes that were like maybe an inch wide and a half an inch tall just glitched on the document for like half a second and then disappeared never seen that happen before
1: well it's pretty obvious that we've been monitored by the FBI for some time now. I,
0: if that's all it is, I don't fucking care. Well, I'm, I, I'm worried that it's fucking Nance's juju that you brought in here. I
1: didn't bring... Well, we'll talk about that later. Who knows? Oh, what I brought Christ. back with me. Oh my
0: god. Okay. I knew that the message would likely appear on their pager and they would have to find a phone to call me to find out the, what the problem was. I grabbed the portable phone and put it in my pants pocket, then made my way up the stairs. Creak. Crack. Crash of thunder. Creak. Crack. <laughs>
1: No chains. What I mean, it could have been, what year was this? I don't know either. A wallet chain attached to Jinko jeans or something? Could have been.
0: I don't know. Could be. I made my way to the entryway of the second floor and didn't want to look into the dark room. I didn't want to feel the dead eyes of the dolls on me. I gripped the baseball bat in one hand and I blindly reached around the frame, hoping for my own sanity that I didn't feel cold, clammy fingers touch my own. Clack. The room was illuminated by that cold glow that only fluorescent bulbs can emanate. I peeked around the corner. Cold, lifeless eyes met mine. There was nothing. I suddenly noticed how cold it was up here. I didn't have the electric thermometer on me, but I instinctively knew that this was too cold. The phone rang, I jumped. I think I dropped my bat and the clang as it hit the floor echoed throughout the building, startling me for a second time. I quickly picked up the bat and went back to the front desk. Hello, this is Taylor. The woman at the other end had a firm but gentle voice. Ah, yes. Sorry, I called earlier. Yes, I got your message. Do you need any assistance? Uh, no, I don't think so. I thought I saw something. I, uh, was worried someone was in here. Think I was mistaken. Guess I should check the footage on the cameras. She laughed. Good luck with that. It is just displaying the image to the monitor. It doesn't record anywhere. I felt stupid. I should have known that. What was that? Mm Hmm it was the Scottish master of the house, Mr. Bell. Um, That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have had to replace the tape by now or at least set it up somewhere to record it. Huh. Well, yeah, I turned on all the lights and no one is here. It was just my mind playing tricks on me. You must be new. Seems like that happens a lot there. I then recounted what happened to the woman on the other end of the line. She listened patiently, and I have to admit I felt a little foolish. You know, another guard got the call first. He asked me to call you back. He won't go there. I paused, probably a little longer than I intended, as I digest what had just been said to me. Pardon? My favorite Canadian thing. Yeah, Richard won't go to the property. He had to answer an alarm call in the wee hours of the morning a few years ago. Something happened. He won't talk about it. When we ask him, he clams up and just says he'll go anywhere but the old bell house. They'd have to fire him. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, has he ever hinted? Nope. Not one word. Whatever happened to him scared him shitless. I'll tell you, though, I believe him. never seen anyone that scared of anything in my life. Her words have stuck with me to this day. What horrors had the seasoned guard witnessed that had made him act like that to this day? And it's been 22 years. I still think about this. I still wonder what he saw. How close was I to seeing something that would do the same to me? Well, it was probably something. Either way, it's all clear here. Thanks for checking in, though. She told me to call her if anything else cropped up and wish me luck. The way she said that also stuck with me. I honestly felt like she meant it. The end of the story. I want to be clear again. I don't think I believe in ghosts. I'm not superstitious, and I've never seen anything that makes me think... We become anything else but warm food in the end. I don't know what I experienced at the Bell Mansion, and I often wonder if I had stayed longer, if maybe I would have seen something that would have changed my outlook. What I do know, though, is that I'm not alone. There are many recorded cases of people's testimony who have experienced paranormal phenomena. In fact, the article I quoted earlier in this story is entitled Bell Mansion in Sudbury Haunted, New Book Claims. That book being referenced is Great Canadian Ghost Stories, Legendary Tales of Hauntings from Coast to Coast, By Barbara Smith. Quite a mouthful. Apparently there are 13 stories and they're all centering around the Bell Mansion. I'm sure if you look online, you could find even more stories if you're interested. And I'm sure they're more interesting than both of mine. As I end all of these, I don't have any answers, and I don't think I ever will have. All I do know is that these are two experiences that will stick with me for the rest of my life. Very cool, Taylor. Wow. I also will have to make sure Sam hears this because Sam knows Taylor decently well and might actually believe it. He never believes anything I he say. He won't. So. Taylor's
1: had some pretty vivid and, and indisputable tales in the past yeah i doubt that anything at this point would change sam's mind I mean, you never know and i gotta say my thought process is very similar to taylor's what, you see it and
0: then still don't believe it
1: or i hear it and i don't believe it
0: oh god i'm not looking forward to this. thank you taylor uh kelly yeah
1: what's next
0: so we've got a fun little ufo story from one of our listeners who's been with us a very long time love this young man And it's interesting because it's taken him a long time to share this, so obviously he takes it pretty seriously. He says, UFO story time. Not a long story, but still Daniel. Okay, so it was a few weeks ago, and a friend... Oh, that's why he hasn't shared it. Okay, so it was a few weeks ago. (laughs) Yes! And a friend and I were outside looking at the stars. This was in the summer. He sent this a couple months ago. Yeah. Where I live in the country, I can see a lot of stars and some planets sometimes. We were on the roof, and my friend Julia saw something moving around and tried to point it out, but I didn't see it. She said it was flying around, unlike a plane or anything she had seen, and was a small light. It was quickly maneuvering, and I, I kept trying to find it and was just seeing some flying stars. The UFO went away for a bit, but then it returned, and we both saw it. I've always believed in UFOs, so I was happy to finally see one. I want you to look at that? It was legitimately zooming around all over the place. It was not a plane or stars or anything like that. It honestly seemed like whoever was controlling it was having fun. It stayed in the same area and flew around maybe 10 minutes, then shot off quickly, and we didn't see it again. Not the craziest story, but I have no idea what I saw. We sat there for a bit after to try and see if it came back again, but it was gone. So, I mean, I feel like Daniel's a pretty reliable person. Do you, uh, I think
1: that that's a, a pretty common story, the UFO that comes back, yeah the, the second sighting on the same night,
0: right? Yeah, at some point I'm going to get into some UFO stories about People that, like, had recurring sightings in the same location, almost kind of like uh, Miracle Fatima. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Bo- I
1: guess both of those.
0: Also, there's another Marian thing that happened in Bosnia-Herzegovina that I apparently need to...
1: Another Marian
0: thing? Yeah, Marian apparition.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about Mari and Rudnick. No. <laughs> I was or like, am I talking really about marionettes? <laughs> are we doing no. this again?
0: No. And also no. The,
1: the the bouncing around, the zipping around uh, pattern of UFOs, it, that's more of the falling through folded time travel technique? Yes. Which is kind of interesting. Yes. Is that how you believe that UFOs travel, in your personal opinion? Uh, through time? Well, like the the zipping, the falling, the fast movements, the jerkiness.
0: I am unfamiliar with quantum mechanics to the level that I would understand displacement of matter. You don't know how to fold time? No. right. So here's a story that a student sent me. Byron, I hope you like it.
1: Oh, okay. Is it well written?
0: I think so. Be 16. Be black and have family down in Alabama. They farm and own a huge amount of land down in Huntsville. Uncle owns a big house and a bunch of trailers they put in the woods for hunting and camping. Down south, cousins suggest that we go out there and camp. No, I'm a city kid from Chicago, so they tease the fuck out of me. Collect food, kill a pig and some chickens, bring necessities to camp out for a few days. We get to the camp, and it's obvious something is weird. Air has this weird electric smell, like right before a storm, like ozone. We think nothing of it and unpack and go down to a little creek to swim for a few hours. All of a sudden, some older white guy and a white teenager come out of the bushes. He has a shotgun in the crook of his arm and says, Hello, asks us what we're doing this far back in the woods. We tell him about my uncle, who he knows, and say we're camping out. He tells us we need to be real careful out here and stick together. There was a big animal in the woods. His son, who's my age, asks if he can stay and hang out with us. He says okay. We end up playing football, dicking around with me. There's the white kid Tanner, five of my cousins, and then four of their friends. In total, there were five girls, six boys. We were all between 15 and 17. We ended up just dicking the day away, so we head back to the camp Pulling out some stuff for a campfire.
1: dicking the day away? Is that a common expression I'm unfamiliar
0: with? Dicking around?
1: Yeah, but dicking the day away.
0: I mean, it seems a little aggressive. Ugh. Uh Uh-huh. So we end up wasting the day. We head back to the camp and pull out some stuff for a campfire, even though the trailers both had kitchenettes. Tanner says that his family's property sits up against my uncle's. He wants to run home and ask his dad if he can come out camping with us. My cousin's rooster pardon me my cousin rooster <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's the best nickname of a cousin by the uh-huh. way like that my
0: cousin rooster i mean if you said that somebody's nickname was rooster, rooster? and you said what state is that person from my alabama. first guess would be alabama Alabama. For sure. yeah
1: i even forgot that this was taking place <laughs> in alabama and i i thought that
0: my cousin rooster says he's going to go with him since it's going to get dark soon one of the girls also wants to tag along it's about 7 o'clock, and it's starting to get pretty dark. They take flashlights and take the trail towards Tan's At property. At this point,
1: were they dicking the night away? I don't
0: know. Uh, the rest of us chill. We make mm. s'mores, drink, and kiss on the girls. All
1: right, so they were.
0: Mm-hmm. About 30 or 40 minutes later, there's a the smell of ozone again. Oh, no. You could smell it over the smell of the fire we had started. This really nasty, coppery smell. Like, right after you've had a nosebleed and it stopped? It wasn't exactly like dried blood but it was that nasty metallic back of your throat smell. I totally know what he's talking about. Yeah, me too. Very descriptive. We immediately think it's some kind of electrical malfunction or someone left a hot plate on or some shit. We search the trailers and nothing's on, and we can all smell it. All of a sudden, we can hear people booking down the path towards us, and Rooster, Tan, and the girl all come running into the clearing out of breath, and they don't even break stride. They all run into the trailer right by where the fire is. We all get the fuck out of there and into the trailers. They end up calming down. Even Rooster is crying his fucking eyes out at this point. All the while, the fire is guttering lower and lower, so my other cousins say fuck it and are about to go outside to get the generator out of a shed between the trailers.
1: You teach him those words, too? All the cursing? Uh, Seems like a Kelly trait. No,
0: I didn't. I didn't. Tanner goes, fuck no, lock the front door. Ain't nobody else going outside. He's been crying, too, and his eyes are bloodshot and puffy and his pants are dirty as shit but not dirty with shit, just as shit. That's good. He goes on to tell us that they went up to his house. His father said, sure, he could go out camping, but to make sure we were careful on the way back and that maybe they should take one of the hunting rifles just in case. Evidently, Tanner had seen something in their yard a few days before. One of their pigs had come up, ripped up, and half eaten. They assumed it was just some big cats or coyotes, even though they don't usually fuck with live animals. He'd gone upstairs and packed his stuff and told his dad they'd be okay without the rifle because coyotes avoid people. So they started walking back towards where we were camping. So Rooster finally stops crying and shaking. The girl already had, but she was just staring out the window with a dumb look on her face. He says they had gotten halfway into the woods toward the camp when they started to hear shit in the forest. It was almost pitch black by this time, so they weren't sure at first what the fuck it was. I mean, this isn't me. It's not my it's fault. Aggressive. It's fine. It's fine. It's just you know. Yeah. The girl says that she oh, that she heard something in the bushes right off the trail, and they all beamed their flashlights over there, and there was someone standing back in the woods in a little hollow. Rooster said they shouted at him and told him he was scaring the fuck out of them, and what a dick he was. Fuck, dick. He says that's when he realized that the guy was facing away from them.
1: Oh, no. We're talking Blair Witch Basement
0: style? Uh Uh-huh. So they keep walking, and they start smelling the nasty coppery ozone smell. They say that they look off in the forest on the opposite side, and it's a dude standing in the forest backwards slightly closer to the path. So now they start power walking, and Tan keeps going. I should have taken the fucking rifle. As they're telling the story, the smell is still super strong, even inside the camper. They say that after they started walking faster, a kind of low gibbering had started coming from both sides of the wood. And as they started booking it back to the trailer, the girl said she flashed her flashlight out into the woods to the side of them and had seen something jerking itself through the woods. You know how I hate jerkiness. Nothing's worse than jerky. Jerky's jerking? No. No. I'd rather have something running to me at full speed yeah. than jerking towards me, well, yeah, when, I
1: mean, when you're dicking the night away and something's jerking in the woods. <laughs> Stop it. Horrifying Stop. I don't know why you're doing that well, to me.
0: Just <sighs> I
1: thought this was the adult tour. And we the could say whatever the got, hell we wanted.
0: The gibbering just got louder and louder. And when they could see the light from our campfire, something could come out of the woods about 40 yards behind them onto the track. I assume he means trail. And they had just flat out run as hard as they could to the trailer. So we're out in the fucking woods. We're assuming at this point some rednecks or some shit trying to fuck with us. All of a sudden my other cousin Junior starts going on about how we went to school with a native kid that's been telling him about the goat man. We promptly tell him to shut the fuck up because we don't need any spooky talk right now. But he just keeps going on and on and on about how it's the fucking goat Goatman, man and we're yeah. in the woods and blah blah blah. Now at the time, I'd never heard of this goat man or any of that. But then a couple of years ago, the year before I graduated from college, I had a Menom. That must be a is that a indigenous tribe? I don't know. Menom M E N O M.
1: Byron, check it out for I me. I got
0: it. Had a Menom for a roommate and I ended up asking him about it. And to sum it up, it's basically a fucking man with the head of a goat that he can shape shift, and he gets among groups of people to terrorize them. It's also supposed to be kind of like the Wendigo, and it's bad mojo to even talk about it, and even worse if you see it.
1: Hmm. There is a tribe called the Menominee, M-E-N-O-M-I-N-E-E, must, in, must in the be Chippewa Valley. Yeah, there we go. Be, yeah.
0: Okay. Keep in mind, I don't know this back when I was 16. So my cousin's going, the goat man's going to get in and fucking get us. The girls are all terrified and my cousins and I are all fucking trying to figure out if it's just some hillbillies or if it's some animal. I'm going to start censoring it. Uh, Just just let it ride. All of a sudden, the smell just goes away. Like to this day, I haven't ever experienced anything like it. Like usually smells fade away or just lessen. It was literally there one second and then not the second. So it's... After an hour, making it around nine or ten, we've stopped shitting bricks enough to go back outside and stoke the fire again. We figure it's just some assholes trying to mess with us, hmm. so don't we don't go back home because we think if we do, they'll chase us through the woods or some crazy shit. Nothing else weird happens that night, and we stay another night. And for the main part of the night, nothing happens. Who stays a second night after that? At about one in the morning. not made
1: a grass. The goat man's not going to eat him. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Goats eat a lot of stuff.
1: That's true. If they were like the, the tin man, maybe. Yeah. So don't goats stereotypically like are seen eating tin cans in cartoons?
0: Yeah, that is true, actually. What is that? I don't know. All right. I don't know. And a fun series of books that we're reading that Auntie Noah got for the girls. Uh, there are some goat people that eat everything. Those Bigfoot books?
1: Goat people. Oh, Shinoah's here, by the way. Yeah, I should. In know. the background. I should yeah. have...
0: At about one in the morning, we're outside getting drunk and telling ghost stories. As someone is finishing some spooky story, I don't remember what about, the smell comes back. It's so strong that one of the girls literally starts vomiting. Or she just drank a lot. I don't no. know which. She seems funny. like she could have drank a lot. I stand up and you can actually feel how clammy there is. I say we should get inside and this isn't right. We should just have fucking left. We all go back inside and we're standing around. My cousin just keeps going on and on about the goat man. And my cousin Rooster tries to shut him the fuck up. And all the while I'm just feeling that something is wrong and I can't figure out what the hell it is. We end up sitting there for a while. The smell is just as strong and we're terrified and all huddled in the camper. We end up cooking brats for everybody because nobody wants to go outside. It's one of those packs with four brats. We have a total of three packs. I grill them up on the stove and I give everybody a hot dog. I get mine. After a while, one of my cousins gets up and goes over to the pot to get another one. He starts grumbling about how I get two brats and everybody else only got one and I look at him and like he's fucking stupid. I tell him everybody only got one because there were only 12 brats. If he wants more, he should open up the new pack and cook some more. That's when the girl that had been out with rooster, and tan just starts screaming, oh Jesus, oh Lord, get it out. She's crying and shivering, and then it dawns on the cousin standing up what the fuck is wrong. Me and him both glance around the room, and then I feel my heart fucking sink. I run the fuck out of the trailer, and the girl runs out with us. The trailer door is banging against the side of it, and as everybody books out of the cabin. One of my cousin's friends asks us what the fuck was wrong. I start counting us. There's only 11 now. And this is- I shit you not, my cousin verified, there had been 12 people in the cabin. But being that everybody didn't really know each other well, nobody had really noticed the whole fucking time that there was an extra person. And then I realized earlier that I had kind of noticed something was off. You know how when you're just dicking around, having a good time, and you don't sweat the smallest shit, and you don't always keep track of certain stuff? I'm dead sure that someone else had been in the trailer with us, and that they had been there for at least a fucking day, eating with us. What makes it worse is I could figure out which one because I don't think anyone ever actually interacted with the other person slash the goat man. The girl kept praying to Jesus and we're all sitting outside. Eventually we get big ass sticks and go back to the trailer, but there's nobody in there. We count again and there's 11 people. We go back into the trailer and lock the door. We explain what the fuck happened. And the girl says that she realized too And that when she was about to say something, the person sitting next to her had grabbed her leg hard and leaned over toward her and said something she couldn't understand. So we are pretty much scared as fuck as we huddle together and I fall asleep. When I wake up, the sun's coming up and half the people are asleep and the other half are packing our shit up. We all walk back home, but like four people want to stay until the sun is all the way up. And some people think that we're just fucking around and still want to stay at the trailers. I just want to get the fuck out of the woods. The girl's name was Kira. The one that the goat man had touched. Anyway, I asked her if she really thinks it was something bad. And she says she just wants to go home. And she doesn't want to be out in the woods alone for another night. So we decide to split up. The four that want to go, can go. But I have to stay because I have the keys to the cabin, and it's my uncle's, and I have to lock up. I'm super pissed at this point because I feel like people aren't taking this shit seriously, and I definitely don't want to be out in the woods for another night. I spend the rest of the day trying to convince the rest of the people—now four girls and four guys—to get the fuck
1: out of Dodge. This is the best Bratville commercial I've ever heard.
0: Tanner Lee. Bratville? Bratwurst. You tra- Johnsonville? You're trying yeah. to say Johnsonville? <laughs> Broth? what you're going I for? slipped. <laughs> hmm yeah tanner leaves us with them to go to get a rifle and says he's going to be back so there are just seven of us left by 4 p.m hmm. at around 5 p.m he hasn't made it back yet and we're getting extremely fucking antsy and the only reason i stopped begging them to go back was because he went to go get a gun It's about 5.30 or so, and when the one cousin that did stay says the girl Kira is outside. We all look outside, and sure enough, she's standing by the fire pit with her back to the cabin. I'm thinking to myself, if she was so fucking scared, why the hell would she come back? And then I get this nasty feeling in my gut. Keep in mind, the whole time, the coppery smell has been gone. Now I realize I can smell just a twinge of it. I say this to the rest of them and everybody, and these are the people that wanted to stay in the fucking woods after we had the goddamn goat man in our midst, is laughing at me and asking if I set this up to scare them. I'm looking at them like I'm not fucking bullshitting you at all right now. I ask them why the fuck would I play like that. So one of the girls goes outside to get Kira. She gets halfway to her and stops cold. Kira starts heaving. I don't know how the fuck to describe it. Sort of like someone with their back turned to us laughing without actually making any sound. It was this fact that made me realize there was not a fucking sound in the whole woods. It was dead silent this was like later in September so it was still fairly hot at the time but it was super chilly some days too and you could usually hear big-ass geese honking or some kind of birds or squirrels chit-chatting so I step out the door tell her to come back in the fucking trailer goddamn right now right goddamn now she backs up into the trailer and we lock the fucking door we pull down all the shades except one and put a guy there in the chair to watch her she stands there for another 20 minutes or so the guy turns to say that she's still there and there's a huge fucking bang on the door. They all jump the fuck up and scramble around the living room of the trailer. The banging is super fucking loud, so now my cousin is holding one of the girls, and the other two were kind of giggling with nervous laughter, and me and the other two guys are shitting bricks. Then we hear Tan. He's screaming, Let me the fuck in! Stop fucking playing! So we go over to the door and open it, and he stumbles in with a rifle. There's nobody else outside. Evidently, he had walked up to the campsite. Nothing weird happened in the forest, but he had seen a girl. Mind you, he said it was not Kira standing there. When he had gotten to the edge of the clearing... She had turned toward him with the slack-jawed look and just stared him down, slowly tracking him as he walked outside of the clearing towards the camp. He said it wasn't until he was almost halfway to the trailer he realized that she was getting closer to him. She had started off by the fire, and without him even seeing her move, she had been turning, inching closer. He said he just ran the rest of the way to get back to the cabin, thinking it would open. And when he got to the door, it was locked, he turned, and it was about half the distance to the door. He looks around the room and gets super pale. He pulls me to the side and whispers in my ear, You know there are only seven of us in here, right? I get that feeling when your stomach drops to your nuts. I don't know that feeling. Shinoa, do you know that feeling? No? Okay. (coughs) It had been back inside the trailer while we were sorting out who was going where. And then when we all went outside to talk earlier in the day, it had just slipped right back in. We looked out the window, and there's nobody out there. So we recount everyone, and then basically I go over and ask everyone how many people were here earlier. And everybody says eight. I say, well, how many are here now? They all do the count, and they realize that there are now only seven. So Tan had brought back a couple of boxes of ammo and his rifle. Wait,
1: who the fuck is missing? Can we, like, that's not something <coughs> they know? They're a group of eight people. Well,
0: I th- so the point of this here is that there had been eight people when he was counting who was staying, but one of those people who was staying was again, like, A rando that nobody knew was a rando because everybody thought they were with somebody else But do you
1: really not know the dozen people that you invite to your uncle's cabin? Okay
0: We've got 15 to 17 year olds that are super hormonal (sighs) and horny and mostly drunk probably on drugs Dick and all night and day Okay All right So Tan's got his ammo Uh, he had told his dad that there was some kind of animal in the forest because he didn't think his dad would believe him if he said it was Goatman. He says that his cousin is supposed to be coming down in a few hours and that in the morning we can all go back to his place and his cousin will drive us home. Now I'm really fucking terrified, but I at least feel better because we can be American and shoot the fuck out of whatever it is if it comes back. Love that. But then my cousin gets into this huge argument with one of the girls because she thinks that I'm trying to be funny and prank them and that she's really getting scared and that I'm not funny. He keeps telling her I'm not that kind of person. And she says, well, how do we know the girl wasn't just Tanner in a wig? Or if it's really the goat man, how do we know that this is the real Tanner and that Goatman didn't just kill Tanner in the woods and take his gun? So we fucking get into a huge argument about this where me and Tan are like we could seriously be in danger because at the very least someone has been sneaking themselves into our fucking trailer without us knowing and mingling with us and at worst something bad is in the fucking forest fucking with us. But at best they made a friend. Do you think a goat man is a friend?
1: I don't know. Goat boy on SNL was kind of charming.
0: Was that a Chris Kattan?
1: It was an Adam Sandler.
0: One of the girls is crying and says she wants to go right now. And we're trying to tell her we shouldn't because none of us are walking through the woods in the middle of the night. At this point, the sun is starting to go down and it's getting a little cloudy out. We eat something and turn on the radio for a while, but we can't really get a station out there with anything decent, so we turn it off about the time that Tan's cousin shows up. He was like 19, I think. At this point, the sun is just barely over the horizon, and he has one of those heavy-duty lantern flashlights and another rifle. He walks up to the trailer, and we whisper to Tan, asking if he's sure that his cousin, that's his cousin, and he says yes. The guy looks behind him and all around the camp, then he walks in. He kind of glances at all of us and looks a little confused. He says, where's your other little buddy at? I figured she would meet up at the cabin is she a little slow or something he also asked whether we had been cooking blood in the cabin because it smelled like blood and hot pans all the way up the trail we were all like fucking nope but we asked him what the fuck he's talking about with the girl he saw he'd come down the trail same trail tan had been using and he'd come up on one of the one of use guys buddies standing in the middle of the trail looking at him slack-jawed he asked her a bunch of questions but all she did was just look at him then she smiled at him And he said he kept walking. She couldn't seem to keep up with him and kept lagging a little behind him. He said he asked her if she was hurt or something and if she needed any help, but she continued to stare. Eventually, he had been walking and turned around a bend in the trail. When he turned and went back to see if she was okay, the trail was empty. He'd assumed she'd taken some shortcut through the woods back to our trailer. We told him the whole story of what's been going on. I half expected him to say we were full of shit, but he just listened and then sat down on one of the couches in the living room. Tanner's cousin gets back to the girl. He says when she had kept trying to lag behind him, it had kind of weirded him the fuck out, so he tried to keep her in front of him. But no matter how slow he walked, she was always lagging a little behind, and that he smelled the nasty smell, and it got stronger as he got to the camp. Eventually, it got really strong. She had said something really low that he didn't catch, and when he turned around, she had been right the fuck up on him, and he stepped back from her. It was at this point he asked her if she was okay, and if she wasn't, he offered to carry her back the rest of the way, and she just kept staring. Mm. He said he reached out for her, as in to grab her on the shoulder, but he must have misjudged the distance because she was off to the side of where he had put his hand, like she had moved while he was looking dead at her. So at this point, we know this shit's real, unless Tan is playing a joke, which we can tell he's not because he is almost pissing his pants. So they load up their rifles, we eat some more, and we just kind of sit around until about 11. To this fucking day, every time I think about this, I really pray to God that it's some huge prank that my cousins played on me that just never revealed, so I would shit for the rest of my life. Around 11 o'clock, the stink of copper returns, and it becomes an actual nasty, gross, blood-like smell, like cooking blood and singed hair. Tan and his cousin, Reese, get the fuck up instantly and grab the rifles. There's a half-knocking, half-clawing at the door, and I shit you not, there's this voice, and it sounds like when you see those YouTube cats and dogs whose owners teach them how to talk, it says in this halting, weirdly-toned voice, let me the fuck in, stop fucking playing! It made my fucking nuts creep up against my body. All the nuts? Yeah, this person has never just gotten up. It's always getting the fuck up. Every time. I mean, it's a scary story. Well. (laughs) One of the girls just starts crying and calling on Jesus. Maybe I'm just not living.
1: Maybe when I wake up gently in the morning every day. I'm just not doing it right.
0: It was so fucking obviously not a person talking. It didn't have the right cadence. And there's some shit that I never realized until that moment. But all people have a certain cadence when they talk. No matter what language. All people have a certain kind of rhythm to talking. This Did shit Rooster have, tell you that? This shit didn't have any kind of cadence or rhythm. Yeah. One of those YouTube cats. That's what the fuck it sounded like outside the door. So now I'm full on terror mode. We keep yelling outside. Who is it? Stop fucking around, man. And it just keeps saying in or let me the fuck in for almost 15 minutes. It sounded like this almost. Okay. Are you ready for the... Uh, oh,
1: there's an audio element. There okay. is an audio
0: element. I thought th- this is one of the reasons that I thought maybe you might not kill me for doing this.
1: This is Long Tong Johnson. Yeah, I've heard the the cat say Long yeah, Tong Johnson. Listen to this. I'm very familiar. now it's
0: spooky though. Listening to it's that, enough. it's no longer funny. Yeah, well,
1: okay, it's yep. very scary. It, yep.
0: it sounded like this almost, just not funny. Sorry for being on a tangent, but if you can't imagine how this shit sounded, then you can't imagine how fucked up the whole situation was. So then the smell goes away for a while, and for the next hour or so, you can hear someone basically creeping around in the woods and shit. Every couple of minutes, I'll come back to the door and say something. Finally, when the smell fades away, it's around 2 in the morning right now, Reese says, man, fuck this, and opens the door and walks outside with his rifle. He fires a shot in the air and says something to the effect of, in the name of Jesus Christ, go away. So now we're getting Jesus in, okay? He fires two more times, and then from the woods, right up against the river across from the trailer, it sounds like something is slowly gibbering and hooting. Then it starts screaming, and it sounds almost like a woman and a cat and a bag screaming together. Like, I seriously have never heard any shit like that. And you can hear the brush over that way start to shake. Reese fires over into the tree line and then starts backing into the house. We lock the door. We can hear this shit keening and screaming. Reese says something had to come out of the bushes super low to the ground and was crawling toward the cabin. He had shot at it. Pretty much that was how the rest of the night went. It was literally screaming constantly for the next two hours and we could hear shit moving out in the tree line, but it never came back up to the cabin until everyone had finally fallen asleep. Tan had been sitting in the chair watching the door with his rifle. Nobody else heard or saw this, and he told me two days later after the whole thing was over. He said he'd been nodding off as the screaming and noises had finally stopped and he had almost been asleep when he saw someone come out of the bathroom and then lay down in the middle of the floor and go to sleep. He just assumed it was one of us, and he had nodded off. Then he said he kind of realized something was wrong, and while pretending to be sleeping, he counted us. There were nine people in the cabin. He basically didn't want to try to shoot at the fucking thing in the cabin and have it kill us all then and there, or have Reese wake up and start shooting and then we kill ourselves, so he just stayed awake all night pretending to be asleep. He said sometimes it would stand up and kind of do this weird jittery thing or heave like it was laughing, but then it would lay back down. The story closes pretty weak because from my perspective, nothing happened. We woke up and I noticed that Tan was a little jittery and he was avoiding looking at all of us, but we ate some breakfast, packed up and started walking to his house. He stayed last in the cabin and said he'd lock up and bring my uncle's keys to just start walking and he'd catch up, which I didn't really want to fucking do. We got a little bit up the path and when he came running up, basically we just jogged back to his house. His cousin took us home. There was a window in the bathroom. Tan had gone back to lock up and looked in there we were too stupid to lock a screenless window the window was fucking up when he went in there i'm guessing it had been doing that all along waiting for us to fall asleep or slip up and then getting in among us it walked with us all the goddamn way back to his house and then he said it lagged to the back of the group and looked him dead in the eyes before walking into the woods Do you believe in the Goat Man? No. No. That, like, okay, so here's the thing. You know, we got a camper.
1: You purchased a camper, yes.
0: Yeah. And I've been really excited to go up to the camper like wintertime because it's just kind of, you know, it's hard to get out of the house in the winter, especially if you're not like a skier.
1: Well, yeah, you could cross country up there. But... Yeah, but
0: that doesn't, I mean, I'm not the cool <sighs> kind of skier. So I've been really looking forward to this and, in fact, kind of wanted to go this weekend. And then this story came in like two days ago. I think ruined it all for remember me forever. Remember that movie
1: Headcount that we watched a nope. long, long time ago? A nope. Bunch of hipsters go out to Joshua Tree.
0: Yes, that was called Headcount. I do remember the story. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know what? We covered that episode as well. Goatman? Wayne Nance. Fuck you. Okay,
0: yeah. so here's the thing that I need to reveal because obviously I fell down the rabbit hole looking into this story. Okay.
1: You, personally.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um,
1: this is the script for a movie called Goat Boy. No,
0: but it was a creepy pasta. Oh. <laughs> but it wasn't my fault. It scared the fuck out of me. Wait a second. It scared the fuck out of me because a student sent it to me like it was a real one, and I believed it, and I've been scared for like 3 days, but the problem is now that I know it's a creepy pasta, I'm still every bit as scared. Kelly. I know, but
1: what it wait, wait a second. I'm just reading the title of this podcast. Tales of Terror, right?
0: Was that not am I, terrifying? Am I
1: missing something?
0: Is that not a tale of terror? Am I
1: missing a significant part of that title? <laughs> no. Not the beginning okay, of it? Okay, well,
0: according to the person who wrote this creepypasta, it is true. I'm so mad. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't be mad at me. I'm
1: furious. I was hoping
0: you wouldn't be because it really
1: me so bad! The worst is like what if one of our listeners knew that it was a creepypasta from the beginning and they're like oh what a, f- what a- well that's, what
0: a- that's why I'm saying it because I don't want to be a fraud <sighs> but it scared the fuck out of me and I did I did some research and really supposedly this is supposed to be like a true story and it's this not. guy didn't this guy never wrote anything else.
1: Yeah because he wrote it anonymously and published it on Reddit. It's a cool story. It obviously wasn't real.
0: your students sent you that there are supposed to be goat men in the woods in alabama i've done some digging great
1: all right well cool cool you got anything else no time to ruin your night
0: oh god hold on hold on Sweating fucking bullets here
1: my second interview with wayne nathan nance October 31st, 2021. I arrive at the Missoula Cemetery about an hour before dusk. Dusk being the declared time the gates close. I wanted to make sure that they didn't lock up early. You
0: hid? You hid in there?
1: No, I just wanted to make sure that I got there before they locked up. I mean, uh, who knows the kinds of folks who would show up to a cemetery on Halloween. I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't blame them if they didn't open at all. Yeah. But the gates were open. You I coast slowly coming to a stop in front of a small chapel building, a place where people would gather when Montana winter was at its worst, I decided to get out. My Apple Watch displayed that I hadn't quite hit my step goal yet, so for 15 to 20 minutes I wandered down the rows, admiring the simplicity of early 1900s gravestones, scoffing at the modern tacky ones etched with things like electric guitars and other unique hobbies reaching the heart of the cemetery i look up and stand quiet for a minute to my surprise even on a night like that oh, God. there's not another single person around just quiet Oh God! but only wearing a light fashion jacket i got cold so i headed back to my car which again i parked as far into the lot as possible i don't know why it's it's kind of like I didn't want to be seen, but obviously I wouldn't want to be locked inside of a cemetery at night if they didn't see me. I don't I don't know what I was doing. I opened up one of those new improved Coke Zero sugars, turned on the car's heat to high and loud, and listened back to my EVP session from the KCC EVP episode, which is available to uh, society members. at called that Friday talk. Remember that episode? I don't want to talk about it. it, was, actually, talk about it was actually it. pretty good? I
0: don't want to talk about it.
1: Settling in, I refined my question outline for Wayne, typing it into the Notes app on my iPhone. Suddenly, I'm startled by a truck passing behind me. They, they couldn't have been driving fast, but my focus and their presence itself was enough to startle me. They slowed and turned left down one of the small roads separating plots. I watched closely as they continued for a few hundred feet. Entering squinting distance, it looked to me that they parked near plot 18B. Fucking Christ. I felt my heart drop into my nut sack. <laughs> it, felt like, uh, it felt like the blood drained from my body. A few seconds later, they got out, leaving their doors open. You see, I, I knew this area well days earlier i had walked the cemetery to confirm the location of the final resting spot of wayne nance i think this was the third time i'd been at the graveyard that week once was just for lunch kelly I was hanging. it was kind of nice
0: you're so fucking messed up from
1: that far away i started visualizing these people unspooling xlr cables setting up emf meters preparing spirit boxes fuck I had just been scooped by a duo of ghost hunters. Trying to manage my panic, I grabbed my Sony TCM 929 Pressman desktop cassette recorder and calmly started speed walking in their direction. I wasn't going to have spent my Halloween in the driver's seat of my Honda Fit for nothing. Maybe I could ask them how long they were going to be, and if it, if it was going to be late, if I could sneak in my interview earlier. Certainly these paranormal people would be reasonable. Maybe I could even shout them out on the show. Or I could pout and say that I was there first, cause a scene. But none of that mattered, Kelly or Shanoa. <laughs> As I got closer, it turns out the truck had stopped uh, several plots shy of 18B, and they weren't ghost hunters. No cables, sensors, or boo-dads, which is a ghost doodad. You can laugh. If
0: no, I'm honestly, I'm literally every muscle in my body is so tensed up right now, just waiting.
1: <laughs> the image of black t-shirts and complicated pants faded as our feet apart lessened, replaced by a couple in their 50s or 60s, standing around the grave of their dead son, setting seasonally painted rocks on his headstone before somberly hopping into their truck and driving away.
0: So a couple visited their son's grave on, on Halloween. Halloween night. Yeah. They, they left. Was it a little kid?
1: Uh, not kid. I think 20s. I, they put little painted rocks of
0: uh, God, pumpkins. God, fucking depressing.
1: That was kind of nice. Maybe it was his favorite holiday and they were just saying,
0: hey. Well, I'm sure it is very nice. It's still fucking depressing
1: cool and his entire gang began playing celebration in my head smile found its way to my face thank goodness I had to place myself again not that those mourners had been harshing my vibe but they kind of were the Sun hadn't quite set so I headed back to my hatchback one more time before the interview to warm my hands I watched the darkness chase the Sun up the mountains surrounding me and went gone I got out and made my way down the narrow road at the farthest end of the cemetery. At about the halfway point, I found an old bundle of fake flowers near the curb. I picked them up
0: and turned on my
1: recorder. Maybe a gift would get Wayne talking.
0: Fake flowers?
1: I mean, who knows? You gotta bring something. Stepping into the center of the plot, I found it in the dark, as easy as if it weren't. Beloved son... Wayne N. Nance, October 18th, 1955 through September 4th, 1986. Below the text was an etched woods scene, one deer eating next to one looking up towards trees that were forming a mountain. I set my Sony recorder down, leaning it against the stone to the right of the deer and started my questions. Yes. Check. Now, I don't know when a good time to say this is, but I am a pretty frequent non-believer in most things high strangeness, but I can't really explain what happened in this recording. To my knowledge, and I've played with the frequencies quite a bit, I haven't discovered any disembodied voices, but I do think I communicated with Wayne I think I should have established early on a knocking system. You know, the one for yes, two for no. Uh, it seems pretty standard. I don't know why it didn't. But it seems like Wayne might have been a step ahead of me. Oh, God. Let's listen to that.
0: Just in a fucking graveyard talking to a serial killer. No baby. With
1: the wind blowing. 18. The recorder down, leaning against his headstone. And just so you know, there's going to be pictures in the show notes of this for I don't sure. Want them. It's been a while. Watching some fake flowers I found on the ground. So yeah, it's been like three years since we spoke last. Last time you were pretty quiet. Maybe your spirit wasn't at Parker Court, where you died cowering in the corner of the bedroom. Beaten by that rifle swung by Doug Wells, the guy he tried to kill. It's possible your spirit's here at grave 3, Row 15, block 18B of the Missoula Cemetery. It is. Let's try this again. Wayne Nathan Nance, if you're around, say something. Make your presence known. train Noises in the background. Highway noise. Hopefully, you can speak up over that. Okay, definitely with that. So two it's October no. 31st. Can't Halloween, speak up over 2021. that. 2021. Halloween, that's a date that you told your classmates that you were born on to appear spookier or something. It's actually the 18th of October. So the first question would be, don't you think that that's kind of lame? You know, to say your birthday is Halloween just to be spooky. I think he got mad at me here. I mean, since it's a holiday that you uh, wanted to be your birthday, you obviously enjoy this kind of thing, uh, how are you celebrating? Do you celebrate Halloween? And if so, how, how do you do that? i I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I think he's frustrated because he can't figure out Sure to communicate. I so you were given else. the serial killer nickname, the Missoula Mauler, which is kind of funny because that was the name of the hockey team until they ran out of money a couple of years ago, our local hockey team. Do you have any thoughts or feelings about that? Not the hockey team, but the, uh, the name, the Missoula Mauler. How do you feel about that?
0: No, he does not like it.
1: Sorry if I interrupt. Like, oh, I really don't long, like it. Long answers to these things. I just I can't hear you. Um, I guess if there was another name that you could take other than the Missoula Mauler, is, is there something that comes to mind?
0: Can he just really clearly it says like Goatman.
1: So, a little over 35 years ago, you died. How you died is a little unclear to me, though. Was it Doug's attack, knocking your pistol backwards towards your head and the gun just going off, causing you to blow your brains out? Or did you off yourself? Did you already. uh, I mean, you had already been shot. You were uh, not going to make it. You were mortally wounded. Was this accidental suicide, or did you take your own life because you saw no other option? It took a very long time to identify some of the victims, of your victims. Do you have any victims that have not been discovered that that could be tied to you? Is there anyone life that you've taken that we don't know about? So both your parents are buried just a few feet away. Um, Did they know anything about the awful things that you were up to?
0: Yes. Are,
1: Are they ashamed of you? I mean, I guess I, I could actually probably ask them. They're just a few. Just at your feet. So let's take a break. Okay.
0: A break? That's yeah. not it?
1: Oh, no. No, no. We're not done yet. I've Thought got to talk to his family. Uh, how do you feel about this so far? Am I, I, like am, I, am I being a little bit crazy in paying attention to the one twos? Mm-hmm. Like,
0: Well, see, the problem is I wasn't there, so I don't know what else could have been making that noise. You're okay. the only one that yeah, was I, there. I do
1: want to clarify. I have a picture of the way the recorder was. It's in the show notes. It's just leaning against the the headstone. And I was kneeling maybe two or three feet behind you it. You weren't like
0: knocking on his headstone? Uh,
1: I w- well, I was. <laughs> no, but there was no one there. Nothing that could be doing any of that. Even like what could be knocking something that was against the ground against a headstone. It wasn't laying flat. It was leaning against his literal headstone. I'm
0: just trying to picture Billy the zombie from... Pocus pocus. Oh right. Laying <laughs> well, in his grave, like ah!
1: So th- I mean, there's some moments that are a little bit more questionable, but there's like some pretty significant moments that kind of line. i don't up. like the idea right. that he's got more victims yeah that one really fucked me up as well but so at this Fucking point christ at this point i step back and i talk to his dead parents who are both buried in his awesome. feet i remember Great. his mom Let's died of that. cancer that before good. then and he was living alone with his dad but i want to say you're i'm gonna play this twice because the first recording is just um <laughs> the first recording is from the, the cassette recorder, but I also was recording with my cell phone just in case the cassette player failed. So you're gonna hear both sides of it just, just for the record. We're gonna to listen to the cassette and then my iPhone. George Charlie Charlene and No, Charlene died in nineteen eighty. George Charlene, do you have to say about yourself? How do you feel about that kind of antagonistic nature of this interview? Was I too hard on him?
0: I don't think you're being hard enough on the parents.
1: That's kind of true. Uh oh, And now this is my iPhone. I mean, I guess I, I could actually probably ask them, they're just a few feet away from you. They're just at your feet george e and charlene m i know charlene died in 1980 before i mean before you but george and charlene do you have anything to say about your son Right. So I didn't get anything. It's just quiet. All right. Finally, important question: Do you have any regrets? Do you regret any of the awful things that you did? So there's no real knock, but this is the only time that I heard something that I could consider maybe a voice. voice. Yeah.
0: Sounded like a deep breath.
1: Yeah. But I mean, that's like bag and shit, you know, it's like, all right, Wayne, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience? Do you have anything to plug? What's next for Wayne? And I don't know if that was a one or a two.
0: I don't either. I think, well.
1: I don't know what that means, though. I don't either. you weren't as bad of a person as you were. Because the, maybe the awful things wouldn't have happened. Uh, that's all I gotta say. Yeah. Uh, okay. This was a weird one for me. Because I... You know me. I don't believe this shit. I, I don't EVP.
0: Okay, I know you don't believe stuff but like, I don't believe in the devil but like... If I get into a situation that, you know, I don't know, like I can get afraid of the devil in some given situation.
1: Like the literal devil, pitchfork and horns?
0: I mean, no, but like the concept of it can scare the shit out of me. So, I, Are like, you asking you if I was scared? Yeah,
1: No, I wasn't scared. Like not at all. I'm a fucked up guy.
0: My my second mother did say she was a little worried about it.
1: Yeah, it makes sense.
0: The mention of the, the Christmas cards to serial killers. She asked me to explain that.
1: Uh, well, <laughs> none of them got through. Remember? Paper. It's got to be onion paper, so they can't fucking cut people with it.
0: It sucks. You can cut people with onion paper stuff. Uh, if you have enough of it, I guess. Can you write on like a cloth napkin?
1: Maybe. That's something I should consider. <laughs> Too bad Charlie's dead, you know? He's dead. Yeah. You can't talk to Charlie? Well, Maybe. <laughs> I um this uh there was never three knocks.
0: No, it's the true.
1: yes no was established really quickly early on, and that's traditional. You know, like that's movie communication one on one. That
0: the ghost of Wayne Nance or whatever ghost was talking to you was cinematically educated.
1: At least, I mean, remember he was also a big fan of the occult books of the seventies, and he I think he read a bunch of them from the sentinel library even if i recall probably the Court. same ones
0: that we touched fucking great awesome you're fine but i i don't at know. at least you didn't bring a weege out there i thought you were gonna bring a fucking weege out there damn it kelly i should have no that would have been a great I'm idea real glad. You, you're not coming into my house again some of those
1: moments are really strong i don't like it i went home and, and we are scared i wasn't scared
0: really come on
1: not of this Of a dead guy?
0: How could you not be scared of that?
1: Because he's a dead guy.
0: Who's apparently talking to you.
1: (laughs) That's fine. He couldn't even say a fucking word. All he could do is knock. What's he going to do to me? I have to
0: say a word to fucking do lots of scary things. Aliens aren't known for talking.
1: (sighs) But they're known for other things. This guy's known for being worm food now. He's known for getting shot in the goddamn head, which apparently he did say was suicide because he was mortally wounded i don't know if you heard that one that one was kind of i was talking over him i was being a little wordy with that question but for what i've learned from this interview Wayne did shoot himself after he
0: And he has victims that haven't been identified.
1: That's a big one. He also said no, he wasn't cowering in the corner. I don't know if that's just my phrasing or maybe if he, he was, was maybe just offended by you. Yeah, that could have been. He didn't answer if his parents were ashamed of him. I think he was embarrassed. I think he was too busy looking down, twisting his foot like he just stole a cookie or something. Oh, and the big one he didn't uh, didn't like the name the Missoula Mauler. Really didn't like that. Which is pretty hilarious. Well, because he wasn't a mauler. I thought that was always kind of a fucked up name. He like he never mauled anyone, to my knowledge. I don't know, but I mean that was my interview with Wayne. I guess in the third interview, what should I ask him uh, on the Ouija board? Nope. All right, I probably not helping you I with any won't of that. Please do not do that. Please, don't I mean, do maybe that. the next one I would do would be somewhere out uh, deep where he used to hang out. Oh. God. I found like 150 Why can't we page just
0: talk to somebody else. I found
1: a 150 page it was a paper written for a master's thesis about the late 1970s through the early 80s Missoula satanic panic, which is pretty interesting stuff. So maybe maybe when I dig into that, I'll take another trip out to where my parents said that they were doing witchy satanic stuff I'll, I'll talk to wayne there too because that's where all, some of his victims were found i believe that's where he committed some of his crimes so true tales of terror the goat man okay the, Still tell mad. me that wasn't scary it was a great story but listen it's so many points where i'm like so what are we doing bad. how do you not know the names of these people you're around come on
0: I, it, I don't know i work with enough 15 to 17 year olds that story doesn't surprise that me at that all didn't do, okay think, well, about, think about like idiot teenagers with senior keg in the middle of the woods yeah you know? these are
1: 12 people and then eight
0: well, 11 then seven actually. all right well this has been fun kelly i'm sorry i just felt like that one spooked me enough that it needed to be told i'm a- sorry <laughs> well i'm fucking sorry it's all
1: right uh, i had a normal healthy uh, halloween by myself in a graveyard and then in ho- at my house in the dark healthy hope everyone else had a safe
0: that to your dating profile
1: great time and you know what get your true tales of terror in for volume 17 now i actually do really love it's a great time we have the best listeners and the best storytellers thank you so much for being part of our community it really just mean a lot i concur but kelly it's late (laughs) are you crying maybe why I was ending the show. You don't need to be crying right now. i
0: feeling very sad. Oh, well, I
1: apologize. You're thinking about that, that, the, the victims of Wayne that haven't been unearthed yet, huh? Well, we'll get to the bottom of it someday.
0: Thanks, Byron.
1: Until next week, though, Kelly, where are you going to be?
0: I'm going to be trying to uncover more about this goat man because I <laughs> really think real. the story's real. not real. real. <laughs> I really think it's real. Yeah,
1: Kelly Friday on Twitter. Instagram is a secret.
0: Listen to this book, Kelly. Kelly at Friday.com is her
1: email address. And I'm at Byron McCoy on Twitter and Instagram. Byron at Friday.com is my email address. And until next Friday, where we're going to be reviewing VHS 94 from the coast. Yeah. It's coming out.
0: There is no Wayne Nance haunting that place yeah, at who least. Knows. Fucking Christ. I'm Byron. I'm Kelly. That's Chinoa. She's
1: always Stay scared.
0: <laughs> Bye.
1: been listening to an Audio Wool Original, produced by Byron McCoy. Theme music provided by Cemeteries. For more programs like this, visit audiowool.co.